0: Welcome back to the Exploraminate Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and today I am joined by my co-host, Ben. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good.
1: It's, uh, it's very hot today, which is really unusual for Scotland, so I'm, I'm sitting here sort of
0: melting, but other than that, everything's good. <laughs> Try not to melt too much because we have a special guest today. We have Vic from VR Designs. Welcome, Vic. Hi there, guys. Hey. How's it gl- going? Glad to have you, Vic. You are just a couple days away from a huge game release called Shadow Empires and we wanted to talk to you about it. So first I wanted to say that uh, from what I've seen, because Ben has been doing a great Let's Play series on our YouTube channel, this game looks huge. So I, I have to ask, how long have you been developing this game?
2: I've been developing, I think for three and a half years, something like that. But I might be being positive there. It might have been longer. I've been developing on it too long, actually, already.
1: <laughs> Is it just three years? I, I, I would have said twice that if you'd have asked me to guess.
2: But actually, in a way, that's true. But because before this Shadow Empire, there was a different Shadow Empire. That was a project I actually canceled at some point. And then I kept the title and did a completely new game. And that started about three and a half years ago.
0: Wow. Yeah, I must. I'm sure that was a difficult decision to scrap what you'd been working on. So, from the beginning, though, have you always wanted to make the the jump from like almost uh, pseudo genre bending war games into the forex genre? Because I would say that Shadow Empire feels very much a forex game. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't really set out developing this game to to
2: to fit into a certain category. But yeah, for sure, it's it's in between. Like your classical hex and counter war game, a 4x game, and well, there's some RPG aspects in there, but I think it qualifies as a 4x game because it has all the all the features a 4x game has, unless I'm wrong. You you guys are the experts, actually here, aren't you?
1: Well. Well, yeah, I guess so. And it absolutely is a bona fide Forex game. It it ticks all the boxes. Um, it's certainly a great deal more complex, I'd say, than most than most Forex games. I I was talking to Eric Tortuga Power recently. In fact, we were talking about Shadow Empire on our last podcast that we just done. And Eric said that it's kind of getting towards the complexity of something like Aurora Forex. I don't know if you're familiar with that game, but it's it's another four. It's a space based I know 4X. yeah. Sure. So it's you and know, you're aware of Aurora, and that's also a very complex game. And uh, Shadow Empire is is by far the most complex Forex game I've played. I would say, but it doesn't suffer for that complexity. I think the uh, the complexity is very. Uh, What I'd say is kind of bottom-loaded, and what I mean by that is you can play Shadow Empire without getting into some of the more complex areas, you know, without getting into them too deeply, unless you really want to. So, you know, you can kind of leverage certain advantages for yourself if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of what's going on under the the hood. But, um, you know, if you want to play it kind of more casually and more quickly, you you certainly can. Uh, Was that a deliberate design decision, would you say?
2: Yeah, it certainly was. Like a good example to illustrate it is like the the military units. Like it's quite quite a complex system because you have to research uh a certain technology and then you have to research model types and then you create can create a model. For example, if you have discovered the model type light tank, you can create your own light tank, your own model. And you can give it a name, like the I don't know, like the the Sky Chaser, oh, that's, that's more a name for an airplane, uh, the, the, the Land Battle Crusader Mark I, for example. And then you can raise formations and construct uh, troops and certain pieces of equipment, like this Crusader tank. And then you can add them to orders of battle, and then you can appoint leaders to, to, well, to, to lead these troops into battle. And that's all, all, well, slightly complex. But there's also another system called like the militia system that you start with at the start of the game. And you already have a militia force present. And the uh, new militia forces, new troops, they just appear magically as long as you have a good relation with the local militia. And so that makes it possible to have units to expand your territory, to do combat, and to have fun. Uh, without going into the complex systems
1: so, so it kind of gradually introduces the complexity then
2: well no not not really, but it, it does give you a way to avoid the complexity
0: to postpone the inevitable, so to say <laughs> yeah to to maybe i mean from, that's what I've seen too i mean i've I've seen a lot of the youtubes i mean unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play it as much as my colleagues here and and as much as some of the the really big you know wargaming and and strategy game YouTubers recently but i have been watching a lot of the videos and i'm just curious to know has watching those videos have you have you had an opportunity to see some of those gameplay videos?
2: Ah sure, but not everything because there was more than i expected.
0: Yeah, and um, it was it was also really cool to see just how much excitement there was for it. I mean, i didn't realize there were so many people that that really craved that kind of depth to their strategy games and I'm just curious. Has seeing that gameplay and watching, you know, some of the the players maybe have made mistakes or done some things, or maybe even some of the comments that have occurred inside the YouTube comment system, have that has any of that been helpful for the development process?
2: Well, well I think in general, yes. I, I couldn't name a specific example, but yeah, I've been watching, and basically, it was more or less playing out as I would have liked. Uh, people seeing uh, seeing people play the game. The the only thing that jumps to mind is a really stupid example, but it's quite funny because there was a bit of a discussion, like um, with the publisher and also on the forums, uh, in the beta test forums, uh, about the names of the leaders in the game, like your your henchmen, your 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 commanders and your governors, and there were some people who said like like the names are really really unrealistic and it detracts from the game and like in the YouTube's, like in the comments, like everybody was raving about the names so I was like, okay,
1: (laughs) leave the names in as they are I mean, that's very much from the tradition of other procedurally generated games like Dwarf Fortress, right, and Dwarf Fortress really generates some ridiculous names, I mean like really ridiculous so I mean, by, by those comparisons I think, or by that comparison, I think Shadow Empire's names are quite like yeah they're Jane not so Super, weird supernova right? and that. yeah they're not so weird they're great <laughs> it's 8000 years in the future i mean exactly i mean we we have no idea how weird names are going to get <laughs> I, I mean, they're still pretty normal to be honest <laughs> yeah exactly vic i'd like to uh, ask you a question about the world generation in this game uh this wasn't this is not something i've heard you talk about much before and i mean the planet generation in this game is exceptionally comp- well it's it's not that complex to go through as a player, right? But the the stuff that's going on under the hood seems very, very complex, and it generates a huge amount of detail. And not all of it immediately translates into you know something that the player will 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 interact with in the game. It also generates quite a lot of sort of auxiliary information, I think it's called. And I wanted to ask you, how long did this this planet generation system take <laughs> to create? Because it's really, I mean, it's really detailed and it's really it's really big.
2: I don't know. It's it's the it's the part I started with in the beginning. And I got a bit carried away, um, <laughs> because it's actually extremely interesting subject matter. Planets sure. like how how does a planet develop, and how does it get life, and how does life impact the planet? Uh, because it's like a circular mechanism. So uh, yeah, I bought some books on astrobiology. Very, very interesting subject, astrobiology. And and I got carried away, and I spent a bit too much time. I don't know.
1: Maybe I don't know. To be ser- serious, I think it was maybe
2: I don't know two months or something.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm amazed. But- I, I w- again, I would have thought it would have taken so much longer. It's just so there's so much in there, and uh, I, I just think it's wonderful how um, every uh, you know every part of that system is linked. So, for example, the distance from the sun will determine the temperature of the planet, which will determine whether you know uh, one of the char- one of the conditions whether life can be. Uh, you know can be expected to be found on the planet and the spin of the planet and you know the speed at which it orbits the the sun will dictate the wind which will then dictate how much the uh, any foliage on the planet will be spreading out in a certain way and it's just it's really really complex I, i i think it's important that the the listeners understand that this is not just a standard kind of 4X map generation system, that there's a real level of depth in here that... I know there's comparisons been made towards Dwarf Fortress, and I think those are perhaps a little bit unfair and unnecessary, but it's kind of getting towards that level of, of complexity, and it's certainly more than most people would expect in a 4X game, without a doubt.
2: Well, honestly, for me, the, one of the main reasons to... Because it's not, it's not so... It's, as you already said, it's not complex for the player. It's, it's much like, like rolling a, a player character in an RPG game. You know, in the old days, you you know you you roll three d6 for every statistic, and then you got you got your your player character, and then if you didn't like him, you could press press re-roll. Basically, I, I used this this system to do the planet generation, and I, I think I've broken I've one of the, the key rules of Sid Meier, uh, being like it's the player that should have the fun, not like the the programmer or the designer. <laughs> uh, because like the whole planet generation thing it was basically i was having a lot of fun discovering like how everything tied together uh but in the end the, the objective for me uh was and remains is to to create uh, immersion to 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 play on a planet where the player feels it could have been a real planet turning around some distant sun far away uh, and that's what i've been trying to do with almost everything, is to try to keep it a bit closer to reality than some other games. Uh, I'm not saying this is in any way like a realistic simulation, but I've been always been trying to push it a little bit more, like with the war games I did before, a little bit more to the realistic, which means it turns a little bit away from a game game, but in moderation. I mean, uh, I've not gone to extremes. Uh, i not gone autistic on the design, so.
0: Yeah, and I'd agree. And I, I'm curious to know, too, like if you ever got to a point where you were like, oh, no, you know what? I can't keep adding stuff to the system. And if there was something that you had in the back of your mind that you'd always want to kind of add to that plant creation system, or was was it, I mean, had you gone through everything yeah, you stuff. wanted to do?
2: No, there's stuff that didn't make it yet. I mean, I might still put some stuff in. <laughs> I still have some stuff on the wish list there. Like somebody mentioned it, not sure who, like somebody asked for it, Tidally locked planets, and that was something that was indeed on my on my on my wish list. But it's it's
1: very complex because they're very particular. Uh, do you know what what a tidally no, locked was, planet actually is? Sorry, no. I I was just going to ask you what is that? Could you explain for the uh, for the audience?
2: Right. For example, mercurius is a tidally locked planet because it is so close to the Sun that it's trapped in the gravity of the Sun and like the same side of the planet always faces the sun so basically this planet the planet has no spin so it's always day on one side of the planet and always night on the other side
1: ah much and like the moon is um, on our moon
2: actually yeah i'm not 100 sure but that probably because it seems to be the same ratio of weight and distance so yeah i guess yeah no you're right the dark side of the moon yeah yeah i, so, I think right, that's right yeah uh, exactly, and, and but this this brings so much complexity because like oh, if you have like water vapor like rising up on one side, it will just it will snow out on the other and form like a huge glacier, and then it might slightly melt on the borders where it's like sort of like twilight, uh, but it would create a very strange, completely different sort of planet, and it was so complex. For example, I said, okay, this this is going to the to the nice to have list because I'm going to spend a month just to have a tidally locked planet. I'm not going to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine there's quite a lot of different things that you could add that could that could end up with these kind of crazy planets. Um, what, one thing that I was delighted to note is that no matter how many times I, I rolled those dice in the planet creation, so to speak, um, I mean, it's not literally dice rolling, is it? But um, yeah, every time I kind of re-rolled a new planet, it always created something that would be playable. Um, that you know, you've you've quite carefully constrained that procedural generation so that it, it creates some wildly varying planets. But there's never anything that I look at and go, ah, oh, you know, I, I think that that would that would suck to play. I, I think sometimes maybe when there's okay, so the planets can sometimes generate a very high percentage of mountainous terrain. Now, I'm glad that this does this because um, w- mountains are quite hard to get uh, logistics through. Uh, logistics is a big part of this game. Also, um, I you know things like tanks and other wheeled vehicles they're not so good in mountains right so if you wanted to have a very infantry focused game um where you you know you you might want to say turtle up around you know a certain area to protect yourself around with mountains and you know and really develop your technology you know you can really use the terrain of that of that map in order to in order to inform your play style and i just think it's great that there's so much choice in there oh, one other thing i would like to ask you actually vic about the uh, about the planet creation is that there's one thing that i've noticed and I wasn't sure at first whether it was annoying me or not. <laughs> um, it's the, the the major regimes; they often start in fairly close proximity to other one another. In fact, they, there's usually a cluster of like three or two or three at least. Uh, and then sometimes you'll get and you'll often get two, maybe one or two, further out from that group. Is that a deliberate game design decision? Because it seems to happen so regularly that it, it seems deliberate to me. And and if so, what's the thought process behind that?
2: Well, there's really there's no thought process behind it. But I I, I hear you. Uh, actually, I, I changed it for the beginner mode. Like uh, in the beginner mode, like the you you will not have a major AI which is a direct neighbor now, uh, which sort of helps your survival chances, which is good if you're a beginner. Sure. Uh, but but the, the reason why it's happening is because the um, like after you you generate the the planet, like you you, you sort of go through I don't know like. Two, three, four billion years of planetary generation. And then, quite close to the present, the planet gets colonized by humans. And this history is also simulated. And then you get like the dissolution war, which sort of the end of the great galactic republic. And then, this sort of like post apocalyptic phase, which lasts about 100 to 200 years, is simulated. And it turns out in this last simulation phase, there are certain parts of the planets uh, which are more hospitable for survival than others. So population tends to focus in those sort of sometimes narrow areas. And, well, at that point, my code starts to say, like, okay, we're going to place major regimes, minor regimes, etc. And the major regimes are the ones with the most population. Uh, so if all the population is, for example, centered around this single lake planet has, our ocean, then like all the zones with high populations are around there. So the, the majors will all be
1: formed in the same place oh i see. so that's that's fantastic so this is actually an artifact of the of the planet generation system and the detail exactly in which yeah you use it. oh I, that's fantastic that's really cool <laughs> you know because there was me thinking oh no i've got these guys that like right up my ass right at the start of the game and um, you know i mean when i was learning the game that was um, the, the major the major regimes they do give you a li- they do give you some space at the start at least on regular and Actually, um, this will kind of segue into an, another question that I actually had. And this is about this is about the difficulty of the game because... Um, and, uh, just, just before you ask the question, actually, the majors, they're not always aggressive
2: to you. Right? They, they can be your friends. So it's, it's not always a problem to have a, a major as a neighbor.
1: Um, yes, quite correct. You're, you're right. I mean, I think that's partly the way that I play because I think for the first few games that I played, I set my... Uh, so in the game, there's these regime feats, which kind of inf- they uh, they determine how you how your government and your society kind of approaches their their rule. And I've I just because I wanted to expand quickly, I tended to go for sort of uh, what I call the autocratic fist route, <laughs> um, which I've, I have found actually doesn't always work. You can't you can't just use just one tactic in this game. You know, there is no optimal strategy Um and yeah i mean every single planet throws different a different situation at you and this is one of the reasons why i i mean i'll, I'll telegraph my review a little bit that i am so enamored with this game because it, it i believe that it's going to be so endlessly replayable and the reason being is that every single planet even planets with very similar um, constraints you know the class setting for example you um There's a type of planet called the uh, Seth class, which is a desert planet, right? And just because you set uh, the the game to generate yourself a desert planet doesn't mean that those desert planets are ever going to be the same. Uh, They're always drastically different, and they can be drastically different with the amount of resources that they have. Sometimes, you know, water is going to be the biggest problem. Other times, there's no metal you might have an area you might start in an area with no fuel and there's always a technology of some kind at some point that you know you can use to to mitigate this this deficiency you have but it will really inform the way that you have to approach the game and yet it doesn't shoehorn you into just one narrow way to play you know it's it's the complexity is enough that uh, you know it always allows you choice and i love that about this game it's really really it's refreshing to see in a strategy game i mean um yeah sorry that wasn't really a question vic i was just sort of giving you a bit of feedback i guess but i i just think that it's 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 really you've done a really great job of allowing the player um very much agency you know within which to approach approach the game and the random the 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 sheer range of random situations that can happen to you um you know allow the player a lot of, a lot of room to maneuver
2: yeah Blush, Blush. Um, thank you for the compliments. Uh, but feel free to ask more critical questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <Okay. laughs> so, you know, and you... Before, before Ben waxed poetic here for a second, I did have a question because, you know, you were talking about the major factions and I have noticed the minor factions as well. Can you tell me a little bit about how the majors and the minors differ in the game and how they play differently?
2: Uh, right. Well, basically, basically, the majors... They resemble your own empire they they obey by mostly the same rules, and the miners they really like they, they, they can never win the game they they just each start with one zone and they stick to one zone uh, and they're basically there from a from a game design perspective they're there also to fill up the empty spaces between the major, majors so. Basically, the majors are really your opponents, and the minors, they're in between there, and they can cause problems for the majors, but usually they won't take them out, unless you're very unlucky. It's not impossible to screw up, especially on the harder difficulty levels. If you have a bad start and some unlucky rolls and some... How do you say some uh, maybe some aggressive raiders just next to you it, it it might it might turn bad, but the the idea is they' are roadblocks for your expansion from a design
1: point of view they, they can be very dangerous because i the first game that I played I was playing on a a Siwa class planet, which is um it's a, a an earth like you know an an earth ish sort of planet it's the and most earth like one of all the classes yeah sure, and in this particular planet um it, our the humans on the planet they were able to um breathe outside outside of enviracy so there was a breathable atmosphere on this particular planet and uh, it was mostly colonized by um farmers so i had quite an easy job of working my way through uh, the minor regimes because they are a roadblock but they're not particularly bad Uh, and they're nice usually they're nice right they are yeah right you can be friendly with them and uh you know even though autocratic fist bend you usually just goes straight for the kill (laughs) they um they they can kind of they can they can be a bit of a problem if you you know because they they do have an army but i i tried to take that approach into another game i played on a more hostile planet that was that had a lot of raiders and particularly i forget their name i think it's slavers is it the slavers and raiders are brutal in this game <laughs> like i they seem to just sort of ask you hey do you want to buy some slaves and you know you better say yes and if you don't have the money then all of a sudden these guys these kind of crazy mad max guys come out they come out of the desert on these moon on these boogies and man I, I they took me by surprise i almost lost a city to them so they're really i mean they are a roadblock and you, they are you can deal with them, but man, they can, if you're not ready, <laughs> they can really take, they can take a chunk out of you. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the best idea. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it just works really well.
2: Um, can I ask a question there? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, did you notice like that actually these guys like, the, I think it's the, um, yeah, it's the slavers, but it's also, there's also another minor faction called the, the, the nomads. Uh, which are not well they're a bit of the same mindset uh if you actually conquer their their zone you'll notice actually they don't have a city
1: yeah right okay so it's it just they're
2: it just bands of more like people uh, just morading through the through the desert waiting for prey there's nothing yeah. to be gained by conquering their,
1: their their zone yeah other than just protecting yourself because <laughs> yeah, i mean because those guys are uh, they can they, they can take large amounts of your territory very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I had an interesting experience, but I, I, I'll I, you'll read that in the review because I write about it there. Um, can we turn to the combat system? I'm kind of interested to know a little bit about how the how the combat resolution works because it's quite detailed. And um, the uh, at least the, the early copies of the manual that I had didn't really have that much detail in it. Can you can you summarise what happens when you attack an enemy enemy position? Just just kind of briefly, if it's possible.
2: No, because uh, listen, let me explain the. The, the, the combat system is, is easy to play with. You select your target, you select the units who are going to be involved in the attack, and then you press attack, and everything will, will proceed automatically. There will be a number of combat rounds, there will be kills everywhere, and the end result is either you, you, you took the hex or you didn't succeed. But if you ask me, like, how do the combat calculations work, there's a lot of statistics under the hood. Uh, like so many, if I would answer you, it it I would be, you know, like going to quote you a, a list of items. So,
1: yeah, sure. I understand. so it's probably not the most exciting question. Um, the uh, w- when I was talking to Tortuga Power about it, we we both sort of drew a parallel between the you know. Ah, uh, this game and Gary Grigsby's War in the East, which which I always joke is kind of like you know other 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 w- war games are kind of like a gateway drug to that one. <laughs> and I do wonder if perhaps um, I think if if forex fans, you know, more sort of forex fans who who aren't from a war gaming background necessarily, I think this this game might well be um, you know the the gateway into into more military simulation games. So do you think that's possible?
2: I don't know to be honest i i, I don't know I, I i think i think it's of course it's possible but like if, if for example like the eastern front doesn't interest you or you got like the eastern front which eastern front like world war II. oh world war 2 like if it doesn't interest you it's it's not going to be a gateway drug sure. mean, and if it interests you and you're already tempted to buy a game like shadow empire i mean probably you already know about Gary Grigsby, right? So, Yeah, sure, okay. (laughs) uh, I I don't know, but I think what I've been trying to do is to sort of see if there is... Because if you look at the number of wargamers, the problem with wargamers is, like, there will already be a lot of people with, like, wargamers. Like, what's that? Like, Call of Duty? Uh, Like, a lot of people don't even know the the term wargame. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I was just going to say. I mean, the reason why I asked that question is because um, I, I've always wanted a 4x game to come along that's got better, uh, better combat, and this really it scratches that itch for me. Really, because there's a, there's a kind of growing dissent in the 4x community against very, very heavily fo- uh, war focused Forex games and you know Forex games have often been military they, they are usually military games with attendant systems such as diplomacy and you know economics that kind of facilitate that empire building um and i actually think that some of the better examples of the Forex genre recently have have kind of gone you know what to hell with that this is about war let's go for it and i mean shadow empire is very much it's very much a war game and i and you know to people who don't know what i mean by that but it it's it feels like traditional kind of World War II military simulation games, um, not simulation. That's not the right word. But you know, like more kind of yeah, board game type. I, I've been waiting for a game like this to come along, and I know that there are other, there will be other 4X players who have been, um, you know, lusting after a game that's got more complex uh, mechanics. It's interesting as well because you, you, um, you, one of your previous games, Advanced Tactics Gold. I actually missed that game, right? And I'm kind of kicking myself because I although I am interested in history and I developed a bit of an interest in World War II um, because of, you know, through playing some of the Matrix games, I always kind of wanted a game that had the same kind of rules but that divorced it from that same old setting, you know. I kind of, okay, right, I'm kind of bored of playing on the Eastern Front now or I'm bored did of playing... Play, and...
2: Did you play Advanced Tactics or...? Uh,
1: I didn't know. I've actually... have to actually after
2: because it's not about, like, the Second World War... Uh... It's actually generic. So it's it's yes. much it's it's actually technically a It's the same it's the same
1: it's the same principle as Shadow Empire in many ways. Sorry, I'm I ramble a bit. I was just trying to I was going to get around to saying that advanced tactics it got around that problem because it, you you can procedurally generate maps. So it kind of creates this this whole new world. And I really I, I really like that idea. I'm surprised I never got around to playing it, but um and Shadow Empire is clearly an extension on that.
2: Yeah, I, I tried to merge Uh, i've tried to merge the ideas because after advanced tactics i did a number of decisive campaigns games which are really games focused on military history world war ii like invasion of poland uh operation barbarossa that one on case blue like uh, eastern front uh operations in the in ukraine caucasus in 1942 very exact uh, very detailed uh, historically correct games. I, I like both genres, to be honest. But what I noticed is like the, 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 the detailed historical, well, let's call them simulations, they, they, they bring a sense of immersion. I didn't feel in, for example, Advanced Tactics. So with, what I, I've tried to do with Shadow Empire is to keep the core combination, the mix of like Wargame and 4X, I already explored in Advanced Tactics, and mix it with a sense of immersion, which I felt in the Decisive Campaigns games. And that's one of the reasons, for example, why I went a bit overboard on the planet generation system. Uh, why there are so many decisions in the game. Why the leaders are so detailed. It's all done to, to, to try to give the player a sense of immersion. To feel less like it's a generic setting, like in Advanced Tactics.
0: Very cool. Now, Vic, if you don't mind, I just want to come back around to the economy. And, you know, of course, I'm trying to piece together this game as I watch it. And maybe you could help me understand the difference between the public and the private economies in this game.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, in a nutshell, the private economy is mostly beyond your control. So it it, it does its own thing. It will develop or not develop over time. and the bigger it gets, the more income it also generates for you, because there's a part of the production that's paid as taxation to you, and the design idea behind it is similar to what I already described about like militia forces which are an easy way uh, for military expansion without obliging the player to touch the complex systems of regular troops. Uh, the private economy works the same way if you don't feel like Constructing your own assets and, and uh, tracking which asset needs which resources, input. Uh, for example, like you want to build an industry, you need metal. To get metal, you need to build a metal mine. But to build a metal mine, you need workers, you need to recruit workers. It can get quite complex. So if you if you feel like you want to postpone this complexity can just let the private economy do its thing and if you do this like over time uh more and more private assets will pop up in your zone and uh, they will provide you with uh, well with income but also with quality of life for your population
1: one of the i think one of the barriers to entry to this game for people who are um who are coming from a forex background might be some of you know some of the complexity that they're not that they're used to being abstracted in, you know, in sort of simpler games, um, but I, I think it's it's interesting that you've chosen to kind of put those systems in there, whilst not making them, you know, understanding them fully to be completely necessary to play. I think that's that's really cool. Um, there are a lot of systems in the game that kind of run under the surface in that respect, but you know, you can interact with if you want to have some leverage. Um, so Vic, um, we've got this interesting private economy that kind of does its own thing. What pr- tools does a player have in order to be able to influence that, if any? Well, basically uh, none. <laughs> 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 <Right>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I caught me by surprise. <laughs> I mean, no, no, so, so, seriously, like uh, it,
2: it, it does its own thing, and uh, you can set taxation, like income tax. On the population, you can set sales tax for the traders. You can even invest credits in the private economy, but that's about it. You do not control the private economy.
1: Yeah, sure. That's very much uh, like Distant Worlds universe is very much the same. Um, I, I found in one of my games that. I was very, I was overspending in, you know, building too many buildings in my different zones at the same time, and um, I really caused like a crippling problem in my um, logistics system. I'd actually like to, I think one of my, one of, one of the issues I do have with the game at the moment is, particularly with logistics, some of the feedback as to why, why your um, supply trucks aren't getting where they need to go, it's not always the easiest, it's not always easiest to find exactly why that's happening. Um, there is information in the, in the report system, but I'd, um, sometimes it's kind of like a little bit buried away. Do you, uh, is there any plans to maybe make that system a little bit more transparent? Or am I just missing something there?
2: Well, to be honest, it's the, I think it's the hardest system uh, to wrap your, uh, your head around. So yeah, it's a bit on the difficult side. When I play the game myself, I usually use the, the preview layer of the logistics. Uh, which allows you to select a single asset and see how far, how many points that single asset will spread. And so you can exactly see, like, if you have multiple truck stations, for example, like if, they're, if one truck station, its network is reaching the network of the other one. And if it is, well, great. If it is not, you can consider building a truck station, another truck station, halfway between them, for example. Uh, sure. So I think that the preview mode I added really helps a lot.
1: Yes, and there's also the, there's a bottleneck book button as well that I found quite useful actually to kind of identify where it is that the uh, the logistics and you know the logistics aren't getting through. The, while we're talking about that, the I actually really enjoy the the logistics system. I think it's um, it might be. It might be a little bit much, I think, for the for you know a more casual forex player to kind of go into all of that, and because it really does it really does require understanding how it works, and it it requires some micro well, some micro management. There's not a lot, and it, usually it's problems can be fixed just by building an extra supply base or an extra truck system, but um, there sometimes can be a little bit of sleuthing work involved in in trying to find out where it is that you know there that, that are bottlenecks and where you know where the problems are. But once you've actually got your head around that, it's actually a really fun system and I think there there might be a certain subset of players who really kind of can get their teeth stuck into things like that. And because we often have people on the forex, you know, in, in our community kind of complaining that these games are a little bit too war focused and wishing that there was more uh, logistics and eco- economical stuff to go on and I think this this game might scratch that itch in some respects.
2: Uh, honestly, uh, I think so because it's sometimes on some planets it's really a challenge just to just to build up a basic economy uh to 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 get water to to grow plants to to connect like your for example if you conquer another zone to to get a good connection with it because maybe they don't have food and food needs to be sent every every turn and uh, i i can have fun you know with this kind of problems without thinking of actually conquering the
1: planet yeah right and i mean starvation is an ever-present threat that's one of the that's one uh, one of the issue uh, one of the things that i really like about this game the the post-apocalyptic setting really gives you license to to play with the idea of scarcity and it's not the first 4x game to do that but i think out of all the out of all the Forex games that i can think of um scarcity is a real it's a real defining feature of shadow empire and like uh, as as we were saying before, different planets have different issues. Where with regards to what's scarce, now some planets have very you know lots of water, and some don't. And you know, I I I think that, that yeah, there's going to be a lot of replayability with this because there's there's so many different ways to kind of approach each each different planet, but they're all going to have their own kind of flavor.
2: And uh, actually, there is always like some 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 trick you can use to. To, to get out of a nasty situation. For example, if you start on a, on a desert planet, it's crucial to find water, right? Because you need to have water to feed your agricultural domes. Uh, but if you cannot find like a water deposit to mine, like you can, at least you can still build wind traps much like in the famous book of June. Uh, and, uh, it's the same with metals. like. You need a bit more research there, but you can eventually find the technology that allows you to do soil filtration and still find some metals. And of course, there's the traders. Uh, you can always use the traders uh, to sell stuff you have an access of and to buy stuff that you haven't been able to find yet on the map.
1: yeah, right. and the trade the trader system is another one where um, it looks very simple. It, you know you, the screen with within which, you interact with the traders is simply just you know you select what you want to buy and you're you're given the information of what they've got to sell and how much it it's uh, it is for but what um, unless you read the manual you, you won't realize that the the traders all form trading houses and they 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 trade with each different regime and each different zone even uh, independently and it's just um it's kind of cool that there's there is so much um, in, you know there's so much going on in the game and. And when you know what's happening, it really it really fleshes out this kind of RPG element. Um, I wanted to ask a kind of fun question. Really, um, uh, we were just before we started the podcast. I asked you this, but I, I think we'd I'll preface it with this question first. Um, with a game of this size and complexity, was feature creep an issue for you? You know, did you want to keep adding new, you know, more and more stuff as the development went on? Sure. Uh,
2: in fact, I have a special list called. Um... The nice to have list, and it has grown to enormous length because this is the kind of kind of game setup where you could just add about anything to it. But sadly, the development time is limited, so you have to make choices. And I think at this moment, there is already plenty in the game to 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 give a rich experience and. I'm going to see what the feedback is after release. And I have my own ideas about what I would like to add after release, but I'm going to see if it corresponds with what players would like to see. For example, like Ben, you you played the game quite a lot. Sure, I have, yeah. What, What would be like the feature you would really wanted to see added to Shadow Empire?
1: Um... The one that okay, so what I'll say is that some of the other feedback I've seen is that people have been saying, "Are you going to add air power and sea power?" You know, like you get in other kind of war games. Um, I I also echo that. However, to go back to something you said, I think the game is actually quite complete as it is, and I do worry that if if you do add uh, if you do add more content in you know with regards to let's say you add aircraft right you know and that is going to open up a whole can of worms with regards to the sci-fi setting you know are you going to have helicopters will you have satellites you know are you going into space (laughs) you you see what i mean there's there's so much uh potential i think in this game to just to take uh you know to take an idea and run with it for for a thousand miles in, in a certain direction and that must be quite a challenge but to answer your question directly, I think I'd quite like to see naval naval and uh, air stuff added, if that's possible. Um, because, I mean, then you're going to have to start thinking about water planets, right? You know, planets that are kind of mostly water and maybe floating cities. <laughs> Careful with this kind of question with me, because my imagination runs riot.
2: <laughs> okay, no, but I think except for the floating cities, we are mostly on the same page there.
1: That's great. I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, obviously then you've got the balance considerations with the other stuff because one of the things that i was thinking was like okay so if they add aircraft let's let's say for example you add you add parachute drops or something like this you know something that it has a function in real life warfare right um you know so the way that the way that military technology developed was usually that there was some kind of stalemate or some kind of problem and then it was uh, you know you maybe get artillery or tanks or something like this, or machine guns, you know, uh, that evolved in order to fix a certain problem. But when you're talking about a sci-fi science fiction setting, you're you're having to kind of come up with, well, we've got this crazy like teleporter technology. What problem would that fix? And what problem does it cause? And where do I go from here? I mean, it just sounds like opening a huge can of worms. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to add teleportation technology. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe that's. A good scene,
2: I, I'm yeah. mostly like, a, how do you say, a hard, a hard sci- sci-fi man myself. So I'm okay with some, with with some fiction, uh, with some imagination. Uh, I mean, Shadow Empire. You can uh, research laser weapons and plasma weapons uh, and walkers. Uh, that's all okay with me. But like teleportation. Yeah, it's no other level of
1: uh, of science fiction. Yeah, it is, and you know we're you're starting to get into the sort of crazy high concept stuff, and I don't know how to how that would translate across to war games particularly well. But no, I, it's uh, it does make the mind wonder, though. I mean, I, I really like the walkers in the game. By the way, they 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 look and they look really really cool, and just the. They, I mean, that's an example of what I'm talking about, right? The the tanks in the game and wheeled vehicles—they really they they have a serious attack penalty in in terrain like that, and and a defensive penalty too. But the walkers are deliberately designed so that they can they can move through this this rough terrain to simulate the fact that they're they're like huge infantrymen, right? So there 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 seems to be for for some of the problems that are generated in the game with these crazy terrains that are in there, uh, that you know you've actually created some counters. And it's also great to see nukes in there as well. I mean, I know that sounds quite morbid, but you know it, it, they really fit the post-apocalyptic setting really well, and uh, you know, I like how you kind of refer to them as atomics as well. That's something that's straight out of June, if I remember right.:
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, no, I really I haven't been too inspired by June for this game, but uh, I might still be for the future. Uh, I think Atomics was like a sub- subconscious thing, maybe because I'm a big fan of June, so. It, it might have sure. stuck there. It sounds cool, right? Atomics uh, sounds better yeah. than
1: nuclear weapons. Uh, I think so. I think so. I think you're quite right. I mean, I, actually, that 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 particular terminology might be an artifact of the time that um, the Dune was written anyway. In the, I think it was the 60s, was it? Uh, I, I think the original book was written in the 60s or 70s. Well, anyway, uh, I digress. But yeah, so um, you must be excited for a release, because the release is only in a few days now.
2: Yeah, to be honest. It's always a weird moment because you work for years uh, in, in in peace and calm, and then at release, there's going to be a torrent of uh, of stuff to address because there's always a big change. Uh, you know, you 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 work with maybe like I don't know, like maybe a hundred testers or something, maybe more. I don't know. I would have to ask my publisher. Sure. And then you switch to like maybe 10-fold or 20-fold uh, or even more uh, number of players, uh, it always brings stuff that needs attention. So it's it's always a hectic time uh, around release. So it's oh, something, yeah. yeah, I look forward to it. But it, it's also uh, a bit nerve-wracking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can imagine, and especially it's such a huge project, and you've you've obviously invested a huge amount of energy and time. And I mean, uh, just just as a, a comment, I'm I'm amazed really that 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 one person can even design a game of this complexity, and for it to to work even half as well as it does. Never mind coding as well, and you know all the the attendant bug fixing and all that. It's just a it's a Herculean effort, and I mean, I mean. Is it fair? I haven't really played your other games, Vic, I must admit, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but um, would you say that this is your, your biggest and most complex game yet?
2: Yeah. No, no, definitely. Uh, seriously, if I would have known it would have grown this complex, I wouldn't have started on it.
1: <laughs> but, oh, right.
2: No, no, it's been an interesting arc, you know, of, of insight in my own development uh, methods. But has it just grown too complex? And just at the right moment, I've managed to sort of stop further
1: expansion and polish it down to where it is now. But it has been a close call. I know how difficult that is. I have some idea of how difficult that is because I'm an artist myself. I used to, uh, when I used to work on paintings, it, some of them took me months. And knowing when to stop, is really difficult because you know they become almost like your children, and you, you really care for them, and you, you you put so much time and energy into them, and to to then to be able to kind of let it go and say okay, that's done with now, at least for the time being. <laughs> it's it's different with the game because game people expect you to kind of work on games now longer than longer than after release, but you know I I, I kind of feel where you, where you're coming from with that. I'd like to ask just one last question, actually, Vic. If you were to I mean, I, I've heard you describe this game primarily as a 4X game, you know, um, with some wargaming elements, with some role-playing elements, and that kind of thing. How would you sell this game to, um, to the you know, a 4X player? What, what would you say that it brings to the 4X table? But I think
2: it's, 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 a, it's a game that doesn't try to be like other games. It feels, it feels relatively fresh, uh, though maybe it looks a bit... It looks a bit dated because graphics have never been my priority. Uh but like gameplay and design wise, I think it's uh it's a unique product that you won't find in other forex games. Uh it's not for everybody, that's sure. That's for sure. I mean
1: I completely agree with that.
2: Uh, I think th-
1: yeah. Go ahead. I just say I, I concur with you that it's completely unique. I've I've never played anything quite like it. It's it's not like any other Forex game that I've played, but it it definitely is a Forex game, and I'll argue that point with anybody who wants to fight me over it. Come come and fight me, and I'll I'll fight you. <laughs> it really is a it's a it's a bonafide Forex game. It, it ticks all the boxes. It just has much more um, complexity, whilst being very very playable like once you learn that once you learn how the game works it is quite easy and not easy because the difficult because the game has a fairly high difficulty i'd say but um it's it plays quite smoothly and you can actually play the game through relatively quickly if you want to um by the same token if you're the sort of player who is enamored by the idea of kind of getting into Really, really allowing your imagination to, to run to run wild within the setting that you've created. Um, the game is uh, the game allows a lot of tools for that, and it's that that. We don't get a lot of that in forex. I've got to be honest, I'd, at least not that I've seen. Um, this is going into kind of grand strategy game kind of a territory, and you know, there's so much we've not been able to touch on because the game is so big, and we can, we've only got so long with the interview anyway. But we didn't even really touch on the the, the person, uh, the personal relationship system that you've got. Um, the leader. The leaders the stratagem system uh, you know with the with the card-based uh, stratagem system uh you know with the way that, that you approach diplomacy and and espionage through the through these through these this card based system, uh, with political points, bureaucracy points. I mean, the game is just massive, and we could go on forever. <laughs> um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Vic, for for joining us, and I'm, I really hope that your game does well because I per, just personally speaking, I'd like to see more content, and I'm sure that fans of the game will be the same. I understand that if if the game does well, that you'll you'll be hoping to expand on what you've already made.
2: Honestly. I I hope it will do. If it does reasonably well, I'm going to spend more time on it. And as we already talked about, like, for me, the ideal expansion would be to add naval units and air units, Uh, especially because they will be fun in themselves, yes, but especially because it allows allows me to present planets with actual large oceans and continents and stuff. So... That, that would be my dream, but it does require a, a limited success because, like everybody, I have my rent to pay and it, it takes a lot of time to make these games.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, with, there's obviously clearly been so much work gone into it. So I, just, I,
0: I really hope it is well for you, Rick. And thank you very much for joining
1: us and talking to us. It's been a pleasure, guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much, Vic. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us. I'm sorry I didn't ask as many questions, but Ben is our resident expert here. So he he knew, he knows more about this game than I think I know about most games. So <laughs> he's, he's a great person to ask these questions. But I really appreciate you taking the time, Vic. It's, it's been great to hear all the answers.
2: Well, I'll speak to you maybe another time.
0: Uh, yeah, we'd love that. In fact, actually, once I get some time with it, I would love to have more of a say in what's being asked to. <laughs> so we can listen to less of that handsome British accent and you can hear more of my American drawl, but yeah, no, that would be something I'd love to do in, in a few months and we can we can sit back down and kind of maybe even do like a you know a retrospective on how our release went and, and then figure out where you're going from there.
2: Sure. Uh, it's always for me it's a pleasure to to be able uh, to talk to people who are interested in the same subjects because yeah, it's, like it's, it's the as a only existence as a small developer.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're, we're huge. We're diehard fans of the genre. So we, uh, we love to speak to developers such as yourself and, and kind of pick your brain a bit. So thanks again for s- joining us today. And we will talk to you soon, hopefully. And until next time, this was Rob, Ben and Vic for explorment We will talk to you guys soon.